1: This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Tuesday, February 21st.
2: I'm Valdana Heirik, in today for Stacey Marie Ishmael. Bitcoin evangelist Roger Verr has said in at least one interview that when he was a little boy, he wanted to be a garbage truck driver. That way, he could drive heavy machinery around his neighborhood and get to talk to everyone. Fast forward to the recent past, and Roger Verr actually does talk to a lot of folks, just that while collecting their trash. He's instead been promoting Bitcoin as the future of money and finance, so much so that people started calling him Bitcoin Jesus. According to his website, he's one of the early investors in several Bitcoin projects, including Kraken, Blockchain.com, and Ripple. But in 2017, Ver switched his enthusiasm away from Bitcoin and more towards something called Bitcoin Cash, which is an offshoot of the original cryptocurrency. Recently, Ver became entangled with crypto company Genesis. So, what happens when Bitcoin Jesus speaks? Do people say, Hallelujah? Or do they say, deliver us from evil? Here to help me explore the life and work of Bitcoin Jesus is Bloomberg reporter Olga Karif. Olga, you've actually had a lot of access to Roger. You've interviewed him many times. You've known him over the years. You've talked to him quite a bit. So just lay out the scene for us. What is he like? What should we know about his personality and about this person? He's known as Bitcoin Jesus.
3: Because he actually found out about Bitcoin way before most people even heard the word. He started buying Bitcoin in 2011 when it traded for less than $1. And of course, now it's trading over for over $21,000. Um, and when he found out about Bitcoin, he started telling everybody about it. So there are stories of Roger were essentially carrying on about Bitcoin at barbecues and house parties and pretty much... He was talking about it everywhere he could get a chance to. And so he became known worldwide as Bitcoin Jesus.
2: Maybe tell us a bit about his escapades within the space, because I'm curious about how he's been able to sustain this very interesting persona for the last decade or more. He is sort of
3: very intense. He has very strong opinions about things. And one of the things he's best known for is the creation of Bitcoin Cash. So back in 2017, there were debates among developers about how to scale Bitcoin, and there were different ideas about how to scale uh, the network. And Roger was a big believer that the mainstream view of how to scale the network was wrong and didn't adhere to the vision that Satoshi Nakamoto, the anonymous creator of Bitcoin, had in mind. Because Satoshi wanted Bitcoin to be a transactional currency. And Roger felt like if this mainstream idea of what Bitcoin should become uh, was implemented, then it would become more of a store of value, which is what Bitcoin is today. And so he was part of a contingent that supported, split off a version of Bitcoin network called uh, Bitcoin Cash. And of course, Bitcoin Cash is still around, although it's a much smaller network than bitcoin uh i mean bitcoin has a market cap currently of i think something like 450 billion and uh bitcoin cash is two and a half billion but you know it's a sizable and an important cryptocurrency out there that he supports
2: so basically, he has in the past laid out some views that maybe were counter to what people at the time were thinking, or maybe he was sort of being provocative in in some sense. But I'm wondering what, what the sense is from you of how the crypto community views him, largely speaking, because obviously the name Bitcoin Jesus or the nickname Bitcoin Jesus sort of has this connotation, this larger than life connotation to it.
3: Absolutely. It certainly does. So years ago, he was probably an example of sort of the mainstream Bitcoin adopter who was somebody who was libertarian, uh, opposed to government interference, somebody who essentially viewed uh, cryptocurrency as a way to avoid government interference and regulation. You know, cryptocurrency, as uh, a lot of the early adopters saw it, was a way to essentially move value around without government knowledge or <laughs> regulation, which as we more recently, I think, are seeing is not quite how it's it's working out. But um, more recently, I think his views have been viewed as more fringe, as more institutions and retail investors had waded into the space. But he's obviously still a very well-known figure in, in the crypto space.
2: I like your use of the word fringe just to explain how maybe the space has evolved since those early, early years. But tell us maybe a bit more of how characteristic or how exemplary his libertarian or anti-government views are maybe of of other participants who had gotten in a really, really long time ago or even how prevalent views like that might still be in the space today. Or is, is it really... The case that this type of thinking has just sort of been sidelined within the crypto space over the years.
3: Roger's views, I think, partially stem from the fact that when he was in his early 20s, he was convicted of illegally selling fireworks on eBay. And he was actually put in jail and has a very <laughs> uh, dark view of uh, U.S. government. He actually, after that, he moved to Japan and, and then to send, uh, send kids but a lot of early Bitcoin adopters uh, were people who essentially felt that crypto was a way to financial freedom and allowed people to not depend on governments that might devalue your fiat or do something something that could have ramifications for your savings or for your way of life. And how this industry evolved was, you know, in the last three years maybe or so, more institutions actually from Wall Street started paying attention to crypto and stepping in and offering services or investing. We've seen a few sort of public companies invest in Bitcoin, and we've seen uh, millions of retail investors uh, step into crypto. And the space, uh, like you said, has changed quite a bit from being sort of this very niche space with mostly, you know, very (laughs) geeky computer programmers uh, loving coins to, I wouldn't say completely mainstream, but close to mainstream market. Of course, this whole space had been in a bear market for the last year or so. And that definitely has pushed back adoption and raised questions about what it's going to look like once regulators are done shaping it. But I think we are very, very far removed from this uh, niche libertarian space that it used to be.
2: Okay. And then just one more thing about the way he is thinking about the world. Can you tell us about his views on the blockchain? He strongly
3: believes that essentially crypto should be used uh, in transactions to buy a sandwich or to even to buy a car and so he's been promoting uh, Bitcoin Cash for use in transactions and he is very much unhappy with the way Bitcoin <laughs> has developed. He is no longer promoting Bitcoin itself, Interesting enough, um, you know, because Bitcoin has emerged as more of a store of value and he believes this is not uh, what crypto should be about. He, of course, uh, has a lot of opponents in, the, in that view. But that's what he believes. Up
2: next, more with Bloomberg reporter Olga Karif on Roger Ver's dealings with CoinFlex and Genesis. We'll be right back.
0: What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you?
2: Olga, we know that Ver has been entangled with Genesis, which also has been in the news quite a bit recently, as we know. Now remember, the Winklevoss brothers have been waging a public fight against Genesis, even calling for Barry Silbert, the founder of the digital currency group Empire, to step down as its CEO. But they claim that he owes them millions of dollars for some trades that he had with them. So can you tell us about what's going on between the two of them and this feud that they're having publicly? Sure. So
3: Genesis has a lending arm and a trading arm. And the lending arm recently went bankrupt, but the trading arm of the company is still around and functioning. And Genesis Trading recently filed a lawsuit against Ver, saying that he hasn't settled about million worth of options on the platform. When I talked to Roger about this, he said, you know, my contract with Genesis Trading basically stipulates that they have to be solvent for me to settle any transactions. And when I asked them for financial statements, they declined to provide them. So that's what he says. uh, uh, And I guess we'll see how it all plays out. But it's interesting that this lawsuit comes on the heels of Another uh, sort of payment issue that Roger has had in the last year, CoinFlex, which is an exchange, alleged that uh, Roger failed to pay a margin call, and uh, this litigation with him is still ongoing. Now, coming back to uh, Genesis, Roger said on on social media that he has enough money to pay back. He just believes that uh, Genesis trading is in violation of their contract with him.
2: I'm wondering how Roger actually responded to CoinFlex's accusations. He says he actually doesn't owe them any money. So
3: I guess we'll see how it all plays out. At this point, it's sort of not clear what the actual situation is and who's telling the truth.
2: Olga, tell us what you think Ver's influence is in the crypto space going forward. And what is it about these big names that tend to dominate the crypto industry and the crypto space in in general and, and why we all follow them so closely? the big names the early
3: investors in this industry they're they're still very influential because they have their fingers in a lot of different pies like roger for instance he was an early investor in ripple and bitpay and blockchain.com and kraken so he runs his own uh crypto exchange so he 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 is a very influential and listened uh, being listened to by a lot of people because he is very involved in this industry still, uh, as are a lot of the early adopters, early investors. And I think he also has the perspective on this industry that some of the more recent investors perhaps don't have. He has seen a lot of this market up and and downs, and he sort of knows how generally uh, <laughs> this crypto cycles play out. And at least I, you know, I find it, very interesting and and helpful to follow uh, what he's doing.
2: Olga, I love reminiscing with you about the old crypto days, if we can call them that. So maybe five or six years ago, I remember at least at Bloomberg, it was mainly me and you covering cryptocurrencies and covering some of these big names in the space that remain big names in the space to this day. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today.
3: Oh, it was so
2: much fun. Thank you so much, Vildana. That was Bloomberg reporter Olga Karif. You can find more of her reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com. For more, be sure to check out our twice-weekly newsletter, Bloomberg
1: Crypto. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Tai Butler and Moses Undum. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow.